Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, menstruation at work. How do you talk about it if you talk about it? And I said, you know, I've got this thing called endometriosis. This, this is what it is. I'm going to probably have major surgery. And, and he was like, huh, OK. <laughs> and he, he didn't seem phased by the fact that it was about periods, to his credit. But not all men are comfortable with the topic. It was like a 10-member, all-white, middle-aged male group of angel investors. I'm the only girl in the room. I was 22 at the time. And, you know, selling them on why period underwear is a good investment. And why women tend to go through menopause quietly. If we are acknowledging menopause, we're acknowledging that aging happens and that, you know, there's life after (laughs) fertility. And that's still scary to us somehow. Coming up, our bodies, our work. We can't divorce the two, even if our workplace wishes otherwise. There's been quite a bit of public talk about periods this year. Female athletes have come out and talked about how having their period can adversely affect their performance – There's an ongoing Twitter campaign to live-tweet your period. And Donald Trump made his infamous blood-related comments to Fox journalist Megyn Kelly. That was in a presidential debate this summer. I'd been thinking about doing a show about menstruation, but I wasn't sure. I felt a bit squeamish about it, if I'm honest. And I also wondered whether there was enough to talk about with the intersection of periods and work. And then I went on a business trip for a few days. And the day I landed, the very first day of the trip, I got my period. And I didn't feel horrible, but I didn't feel great either. And that was when I decided, okay, I am going to do a show about this. Because women go through this bodily process at work every month for much of their lives that men do not. And of course, the experience can vary. It can be absolutely fine. But it can involve bolts to the bathroom, severe pain and embarrassing leaks. And it is worth talking about because we're expected to perform no matter what's going on with our wombs and we are not expected to talk about it. I knew I wanted to talk to a sociologist about all this. So I called Heather Dillaway. She's a professor of sociology at Wayne State University in Michigan. She studies menopause experiences in particular, and she also looks at other aspects of living in a female body. She says ever since women started going out to work, they've had to deal with menstruation quietly so they can fit in. It's important to remember that paid workplaces are pretty much modeled after men's life cycles and men's bodies. And so women as paid workers are sort of foreign or abnormal to start with. She says everything from pregnancy to breastfeeding to periods, 
They mark women as outliers at work, people who things have to be arranged around. And for decades, women put up with their role as the other at work and the judgments that went with that. But today, there's a much stronger lobby for parental leave and the ability to pump milk in comfort, even in workaholic countries like the U.S., I told Heather, I think breastfeeding has a lot of strong advocates. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, I think definitely the things that have to do with early motherhood are getting a lot more positive attention lately and different groups lobbying for workplaces to pay attention to breastfeeding and to pregnancy and to maternity leave are are having more success. And I think that goes back to the fact that we're still a pretty procreative country in terms of mindset. You know, we value families and we value when women become mothers. And so we sort of expect women to become mothers and to prioritize it. And so if any bodily processes are going to get attention to the in the workplace, it's going to be the bodily processes or activities that signify motherhood, whereas menstruation is just sort of this this process that happens across the lifespan and it doesn't result it's actually almost the opposite of motherhood it it means motherhood isn't happening and so it's uh, it's seen differently Mm. yeah and there just isn't and, and frankly there's disgust around periods that there isn't around breastfeeding yeah for sure yeah it's seen uh as dirty it's seen as unclean it's seen as something that is unhealthy and sick when actually uh, in reality menstruation is exactly the opposite it means that women's bodies are actually working so the cultural ideas around menstruation still sort of suggest to us that it shouldn't happen and that it's akin to being sick And of course, if you live in a developing country, there's a high chance your period really is taboo. In some cases, you may even have to live apart from the rest of your family during your period because you're considered tainted. Thankfully, things are a lot easier in the West. Still, if those of us in white-collar jobs only deal with our periods in whispers, there are many more women who have a much more structured workplace and less agency. Yeah, and that's a good reminder, right? We get stuck talking about professional workers who might have a, you know, a, a desk and a drawer that they keep their tampons and pads in, and you know they can easily run to the bathroom and and uh, deal with whatever menstrual hygiene issue they're having, and that is not most workers. So you're absolutely right. I mean, we get we we have to think about how hard it is to hide things like menstruation when you are a shift worker or you know hourly worker. So my theory about this whole topic is the younger you are, the happier you are to discuss it and want it to be discussed more openly. The older you are, the more likely you are to have been raised with the idea that you put up and shut up. And why do we have to talk about everything publicly these days? And talking of young women, before we did the interview, Heather Dilloway had sent me an article from the Daily Mail. It focused on a few women in their late 20s and early 30s who have stopped their periods altogether. I knew about pills that ensure you only get a few periods a year. But I'm not sure I'd ever read about stopping your period entirely unless you were, you know, climbing Everest. I mean, I have heard about women who are doing very specific things, you know, who, and who want to stop their periods to, for them to achieve something. But that was such an interesting piece about people who just feel that their period is such a hassle and that it's sort of impacting their career. 
So, yeah, recent articles like the one in the Daily Mail are talking about very career-oriented women who are taking medications to opt out of having periods. And the argument is that if they did have a period, that would actually slow down their careers and slow them down at work and make them different and, and prevent them from the successes that they can get if they take the medication. So these kinds of conversations definitely cement the idea that in order to have success in your career, you have to get rid of periods. You have to not menstruate. And really, that means you have to be less like a woman. I posted that Daily Mail piece on the Broad Experience Facebook page a few weeks ago, and it got a really big response. People have a lot of different opinions about the wisdom of stopping your periods for work or any other reason. I'll post the piece under this episode on the website so you can read it if you haven't already. Another thing I'd read about online while doing research for this show was that in some countries in Asia, women actually get days off for their period if they need them. I feel sort of torn on that. And I don't know how, I wonder how American women would handle that if they were presented with that. All British women, for instance, anyone in in the West where it's perhaps less taboo, periods are perhaps less taboo than they are in other cultures. Because if you get days off, there's a high chance, I think, that you'll be judged. You'll be judged negatively for taking those days. Right, and you do still see the same thing around maternity leave sometimes. You know, if people take their entire maternity leave or family leave, you know, they may be seen as a lesser employee of of sorts. The idea that women are bad if they do need a few days off stems from the fact that we still sort of think of men as the normal people and and men's bodies as normal bodies, and then women represent this abnormal case that is problematic for employers and for society in general. On the other hand, you know, maybe not every single woman needs a a day off every time she menstruates. I mean, just the way we talk about it sometimes, I think, makes it seem like it's more of a crisis than it really is. And and it, it reaffirms this idea that menstruation is only bad and only causes problems, which it doesn't. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But if you're one of those women who suffers each month, it can disrupt your work life along with the rest of your life. Rachel Benhamu is British, and she and her husband now live in L.A. She works for a video games company. She's 33 now, but back when she was a teenager, things started to go very wrong each month. I've always had painful periods since I was about 15, 16. Um, You know, with my period, I would pass out. And, you know, on several occasions, I sort of knocked my head or injured myself because I would I would faint with the pain. And so we, we saw, you know, my mum took me to see various doctors and they would say things like, oh, it's, you know, it's just period pain, you know, nothing to worry about. Only when she was 23 was she finally diagnosed with endometriosis. 
With endometriosis, the lining of your womb also grows outside the womb. It attaches itself to nearby organs. In Rachel's case, it was on her bowel. The condition has a lot of nasty side effects, and a couple of them are severe period pain and heavy bleeding. There's no cure, only different treatments. Before she was diagnosed, she used to miss days of college when the pain was really bad. Then she started work. You know, my first real job, I had a male um, boss who was actually very empathetic. And um, I think it was soon after I, I took that job that I had got diagnosed. And so I kind of went into work and, I, you know, and I was very shell-shocked by this diagnosis despite suffering for so long. And obviously, I, you know, I had a lot of emotional baggage around being told I was being silly and pull myself together for, for eight years. Um, and so, you know, I had this conversation with him and I said, you know, I've got this thing called endometriosis. This, this is what it is. Um, it's, it's really terrible and I'm going to probably have major surgery. And, and he was like, huh, okay. <laughs> um, and he, he didn't seem phased by the fact that it was about periods, to his credit. And, uh, you know, things just went from there. But the challenge uh, with that was that I, when I had the time off for the surgery, and I think this is common um, from what I know, the, the odd day off here and there when you have your period is inconvenient. And depending on where you work, um, you know, can, can become a problem. For me, it, it never has been. But the, the real bulk of it is when, if, you're, if you choose to have the surgery, um, you know, you can be off for three or four weeks um, recovering from that kind of surgery. She was told surgery was the way forward for her, but it turned out to be a big operation. And they said, you know, of course, you know, we'll, we'll keep your job open. The thing is, you know, we're really struggling to, to keep up without you here. How would you feel about us having someone come and do your job temporarily? And then maybe we can look for something else when you feel up to returning to work. You know, and they sort of weekly ask me, oh, you know, when, when do you think you might be able to return? And, uh, you know, I had no idea. And particularly after, a, you know, a bowel resection for endometriosis, you, you can't leave the, the house because you can't leave the toilet. So, you know, that is incredibly impractical. And so, so the result of that for me was just that when I was ready to return to work, which was about 12 weeks after that, they had given my job to this person that was doing it temporarily. And they found me another role that really wasn't as challenging. It wasn't full-time. It was only part-time. Uh, it wasn't as well compensated, and it wasn't taking me on my career path. That said, Rachel made the best out of that situation. The job she ended up in involved a lot of training. She found she really enjoyed it. She ended up opening her own training company, and that's part of what landed her the job she now does in L.A., Julie Siegel is making a business out of periods. She's the founder and chief creative officer of Dear Kate, a startup in New York that makes performance underwear. Back when she was studying chemical engineering at Brown University, she took an entrepreneur class. Each team had to put forth a business idea and write a business plan. And so there were three girls on our team, and we started brainstorming and somehow started talking about underwear and what happens to underwear during that time of the month. Um, and I should note that there was also a guy in our team as well. So he was a really good sport um, when we were talking about periods, and we were like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could create 
like the Wonder Woman pair of underwear. So you put it on and you just feel amazing because they're super comfortable, they're super cute, and you're not reaching to the very back of your drawer for your ugliest pairs. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't sure if it was possible to create these new fabrics, but the goal was to create a fabric that's stain releasing, so you're never hand washing your underwear. It's like all machine washable, it comes out good as new from the laundry. And then um, also to have a thin protective layer. So you'd be prepared for anything and never, never really be caught off guard. After college, she began to turn that idea into reality. She eventually found her fabric, and the company is now six years old. They make underwear in New York City and ship all over the place. Like any entrepreneur, Julie was, and still is, looking for funding. And funders are a famously male-dominated group. Who were you approaching? Because we all know that the venture capital community is something like, you know, 95% male or more. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a very interesting dynamic because most of the investors that we were pitching were men. Um, I remember one, one evening where I went to pitch, it was like a 10-member, all-white, middle-aged, male group of angel investors. I'm the only girl in the room. I was 22 at the time, I think. And, you know, selling them on why period underwear is a good investment. That group passed. But the company has raised $1.7 million since then, and they have both male and female funders, and plenty of enthusiastic wearers. I mean, I, you know, I have a couple of pairs of your underwear, um, <laughs> which are very nice. It, it's a great idea, but they're not cheap, right? I mean, uh, m- the way I see it, you have, you have to be at a, so- a certain socioeconomic level to even consider buying a pair of underwear that's, you know, more than $20. Do you hope to, in, in the future, make them more available to everybody? How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Um, Right now, we're all manufactured in the U.S. Um, All of our technical fabrics are manufactured in the U.S. And while we've grown a lot over the last six years, in the grand scheme of things, we're still a small company. And so, you know, the price point is directly reflective of the cost that it takes to make a pair of underwear. But definitely the hope is that as we grow the costs will come down and you know I would love to do a collaboration with Target or something where as Sarah Blakely did she had the Spanx line but then she did assets for Target and so that was much more accessible to to a larger group of women. And thinking about all the women who rely on black knickers every month well at least most of us can still carry on with our lives. If you live in a developing country it, like it's an actually menstruation is an economic issue because well, young girls often don't go to school because their branded is unclean, and it, the same thing can happen in some workplaces as well. Not all women make it to work during that time. Right, I think that the cultural experience of menstruating is so different in many many parts of the world, and so I can really only speak for my experience. Um, but, you know, just the other day, Isabella called me out, you know, in the office. Isabella is Dear Kate's marketing manager. Because we're six girls in the office and, you know, there are men who sit nearby, but 
I was like, does anybody have a pad? And I'm like whispering and like hiding it. And she's like, dude, we're all about being bold and you know, periods are not something that we should be ashamed of or hide. And she's like, flaunt that thing. <laughs> and so... And how did you feel about that? I felt she was exactly right. I felt that she was totally right. Because, you know, what do I want my workplace to be? I want it to be open and comfortable. And, you know, if I had a migraine headache or if I had food poisoning or, you know, and I really felt bad, I'm not just going to keep that to myself like I'm going to explain it to the team and say like hey I'm, I'm not feeling well and I need to go home or I need to take a minute go take a walk or something you know why is it that we feel like we can't bring up periods that we have to just pretend like it's not happening because we would be weaker or something but the reality is that we as women do have these additional physical experiences that we go through and not that every woman wants to tell the world so it's not like you have to say hello I'm menstruating but if you're someone who would like to be able to say you know I've got really bad cramps today can we push that meeting till tomorrow or whatever you should feel free to do that and and it shouldn't be this like super secretive thing. And maybe some offices are going that way. Rachel Benhamu says she'd like to be that open at her workplace, but she isn't quite there yet. That said, her office is good when it comes to allowing her to take time off if she needs it. Everyone is self-directed. So there's no one really, um, you know, sitting here kind of saying, well, how, you know, what have you achieved this week? And, you know, it's up to you to be accountable for those things. Having said that, depending on the role that you're in, you know, that, that can be problematic. My choice of role has been influenced by my health condition. At one point, I was interested in doing something where I would have... To, basically, I would be training the whole time on a schedule. And if you have a class full of people, you know, scheduled to show up for you on the 21st, you know, you pretty much have to be there on the 21st. So if you then get your period and or you're not well, um, you know, that's problematic. And I felt like the risks of me not not being able to meet those uh, those time commitments w- was too high. So I've tried to I've tried to optimize around things where that isn't the case. She knows she's lucky to be able to do that. She's taken measures to deal with her endometriosis that means she suffers a lot less than she used to, and she thinks her workplace might just be open to more discussion about these kinds of things, even if it is mostly men. At the office where I am now, there's about a 1,000 people and probably 900 of them are men and probably about 700 of them are men under the age of 30. Um, So lots and lots of young men. And I guess what's interesting, though, is that we have lots of... We have interesting discussions. Like, we have a diversity mailing list. And on that, we had a discussion about people who were transgender or didn't identify as male or female and whether we should have unisex toilets because of that. And the, the discussions that came up around that, including things around periods, you know, people saying, well, I wouldn't be comfortable if there were men in the bathroom and I wanted to ask someone if they had a tampon... You know, these kind of things came up. So I found that very interesting. So opening up about periods is one thing. But what about that process towards the end of the reproductive lifespan? There isn't a live tweet your menopause campaign on Twitter. 
Heather Dilloway says people forget older women still have a lot going on with their bodies. Menopause is sort of like puberty. Um, your, your hormones are changing. Your symptoms might be a little bit uncontrollable. And, you know, so menopausal women are dealing with irregular bleeding in the workplace. They might be dealing with heavy bleeding as well. They might be um, dealing with hot flashes or hot flushes. So there's definitely symptoms that might be somewhat public sometimes or at least might have to be dealt with on a daily basis and we should be talking about them because, you know, if you think about middle-aged women, they might be at the prime of their careers and also going through menopause at the same time. So this is a reality. There's lots of workers that are going through menopause. And I was hoping to speak to a couple of them. I found one person I've interviewed for other stories in the past. She'd written a great piece on menopause at work for one of the women's magazines, but she didn't want to talk on tape about her own experience. Nor did a good friend of mine who's gone through menopause younger than most people. She's in her mid-40s. She told me in an email it was wonderful not to have periods. She also said she felt really isolated because she's virtually the only person she knows in her age group going through this right now. She had a hot flush at work recently, and she did end up having a quick menopause chat with two colleagues. But then she worried she'd overshared. If you think about the few female CEOs of big companies who actually exist, they're pretty much all in their 50s or 60s. So they have these demanding jobs and sometimes these demanding symptoms that go with menopause and we don't hear anything about how they handle it on top of their work, which I personally would love to hear more about. Heather says women's squeamishness about discussing this is partly related to our society's obsession with youth. As much as we've moved past this idea of, you know, older women as sort of not worth much, menopause does signify that someone is aging and sometimes that equation means that someone is lesser and so you know we think of women as reproductive and fertile and young and then if we are acknowledging menopause we're acknowledging that maturation or aging happens and that you know there's life after (laughs) fertility and that's still scary to us somehow it's still seen as as negative and also because people don't talk too much about menopause. And I think it's actually hard for women to deal with symptoms in the workplace or in any public setting. As my anonymous sources can attest. Doing this show's really made me want to do another show on women and ageing at work. I did an episode on this fairly early on, but I think it's time I picked up this topic again and that menopause was part of the discussion this time. If you've been through menopause or you're going through it and you'd be willing to come on and talk about how that's all going down at work, please get in touch. I'm at ashley at thebroadexperience.com. Thank you again to all those of you who've supported the show, either with a one-off donation or two donations or by becoming a monthly contributor. It really means a lot when I see those emails come through. If you'd like to become a supporter, just go to the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. As usual, I'll post links relating to today's show under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. You can comment there or on the show's Facebook page. And I'm Ashley Milne-Tite on Twitter, without the hyphen. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 